real quick. Is uh, Krisha here? Is Krisha here? Trina, you are. 
Well, Katrina, come on up. Uh, so you know last week we did baptisms, and, uh, and so I was able to baptize Katrina. Obviously, we always give him a new Bible, a study Bible or whatever, and I didn't mess up. I didn't dunk her twice or anything. So, so anyway, I'm proud of her. She came into this program not very long ago in our freeway program, and, and uh, she, her daughter got saved yesterday at a funeral. And, um, and her daughter gave, gave her mom the greatest compliment that uh, a mom could receive from their child. And she said, basically, what I got out of it is I see the Lord in my mother. And, uh, and through that and through the preaching of God's word, she got saved uh, yesterday. And so, amen. There so we're, funeral, we're excited for you. Yeah. So give her a hand. Here I am. And so... Uh, Okay, so let me start with this first. So the ladies' Christmas party is December 1st at 6 p.m. Uh, of course, all ladies are welcome. It's $12 uh, a person. Please bring a $10 gift for, uh, I guess you're going to exchange gifts. So bring a $10 gift. If your daughter's coming, please have her bring a gift, uh, she, uh, bring a gift that she'd like to receive. Um, and Valerie said we need it paid by November 25th so we can order the food. So just make sure, I'm going to send around the uh, sheet, so just make sure that everybody, you're coming and the people that's coming with you, just make sure that uh, she has a head count so, uh, so they can prepare everything that they, they need to get done. And then, um, and then uh, Freeway this week is going to be canceled, so our Saturday night service will not be this Saturday. Oh, our Wednesday night service is canceled too, so you're going to get a break from me this week. So... <laughs> Wednesday night service is canceled this week. Uh, just know that normally we, uh, you know, freeway Saturday nights at 5.30 is the meal. 6 o'clock is the message. Uh, Wednesday nights, 6 o'clock is the meal. 6.45 is the message. Uh, and then the prayer team also meets in this room over here at 6 o'clock. I see them there every week. Um, then hanging the greens Wednesday, November 29th during the Wednesday night service. Uh, women's coffee this week at 8.30 a.m., I'm assuming, at the Prickly Cactus. Um, got that. Men's Bible study is canceled this week. It's normally 6 p.m. So it's canceled tonight, Denny, Max? Okay. So it's, uh, it's canceled. And then Women's Sunday Night Bible study is canceled as well. Uh, grief Share this week is normally on Thursdays. Um, and it's going to be canceled too. So everything's going to just pick up as normal the following week. And then next Sunday, November 26th, we have a business meeting after the morning service. So if you want to be a part of that, uh, you need to, to make sure and stick around. We have a new member class starts the first week of December um, in the side classroom over here. There's a little thing outside of it that says new members class. And then, uh, and then also, um, so I don't know if you, you guys remember, but... A few weeks ago, we went out to Nikki and Crystal's, and uh, we loaded up a bunch of stuff. We loaded up a couple of trailers worth of scrap. So anyway, he's been preparing. He's got a load of aluminum uh, that uh, he's got prepared, and so he needs some help loading it up. And uh, so I need, if you're, uh, I don't know if next Sunday is going to be adequate for most of you uh, with Thanksgiving week or whatever, but, but if you are, I'm down. And um, so it'd be next Sunday after, you know, I guess we'd meet 
uh, there at 1 o'clock like we did last time. So if you're interested in it, if next Sunday is good for you, just come and talk to me and let me know. If it's not, that's okay. We'll just push it off to the, to the following Sunday, and we'll get a good group of people over there. And I think we were over there like three hours, and we, we, we smashed it. I mean, we got everything done that they needed to get done, and we want to surround them, help them, and do everything we can uh, to ease any burdens that they have. Um, we just appreciate them. Am I forgetting anything? Yes, yeah, Freeway in Springfield is going gonna, is gonna to roll on. Yeah, uh, Freeway, Springfield uh, will be the uh, same thing. Uh, dinner's at 5.30 and services at 6, right? So they will be there. But, uh, but we will not provide transportation. We won't be providing transportation for that. Jeannie? Oh. So you see those big uh, bins, I guess, but they're wrapped or whatever, so every kid gets a Christmas. Is that for Springfield? Yeah, so any, anything we collect here is going to go to Springfield. And uh, in other words, it's like no child gets left behind, and so every kid has a Christmas. So if you want to be a part of that, um, do you know the ages? Oh, okay. Okay, so you got pretty much free range. Uh, buy whatever you want up to 18 years old. And so, oh, uh, don't wrap the presents, which is... Right, right? Uh, amen. All right, anything else? No wrapping paper. My wife says we need wrapping paper, so if you got some extra bundles of wrapping paper, bring it up here because we can use it. They can use it. Uh, so, yeah. All right. Let me, uh, let me pray for our offering this morning, and then, um, yeah. I'm Heavenly Father, Lord. Uh, Lord, I, I forgot to, to bring up uh, uh, George. Lord, I know that he's having some tests, and uh, we were asked to pray for him. So I just pray, God, that you'd just give the doctors discernment um, on the test that he's uh, undergoing, that they would find everything they need to find. More importantly, Lord, uh, we want to pray for his salvation. So I don't know whether he knows you or not, but you know whether he knows you. And if he doesn't know you, we pray that, God, that you would use everything that's going on with these tests and his health to bring him into a relationship with you. That means you'd put somebody in front of him to share the gospel, that you'd open up his heart to receive it, that he would believe, that he'd repent, and he would get saved. And Lord, if he already does know you, we ask God that you'd use everything going on with his health that you used to, to um, bring him closer to you, to help him grow in his walk with you, Lord. And so, Lord, we just pray for our offering this morning. We are grateful to be able to give. And I just pray that we are good stewards with everything that you provide that we use this money, these funds, Lord, for the purpose to advance your kingdom, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, Lord, and also I know there's a family out here this morning that, uh, that uh, has a lot going on today. So I just pray, God, that you would just ease their burdens and take care of them and everything would happen the way that you set forth for it to happen. So we ask you to please bless this offering and please bless the cheerful giver. And we ask these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
could have quit there, guys, but it didn't. See the stone is this song for about a month and uh, I knew the song it just didn't we already had our stuff planned you know beforehand but the words of this song this next song guys it it, (laughs) I mean it's the gospel in a nutshell man you could literally preach on it like you'll see so let's uh there is no Oh, 
takes me by the hand and leads me through that promised land. What a day, glorious day that will be. Go on. All right. <laughs> well, I don't know how today's going to go. We got one verse. <laughs> one verse. So uh, we're going to be in Mark 2.14. Mark 2.14. Jesus calls Levi the tax collector. And so I'll tell you, you know, I'm... As I was preparing this, I'm I'm looking at his life. I'm looking at mine, you know. And if you're if you're a child of God this morning, you're going to be you are going to be able to relate to this, hopefully in a lot of different ways. So let me say Amen when you get there. All right, Mark two fourteen. As he Jesus passed by. He saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, Follow me. So he arose and followed him. Father God, I just pray, God, that you just sink this truth deep into our hearts, that, Lord, that you never leave anything the same that you touch. And so, Lord, we are so grateful that uh, what you sent Jesus Christ into this world to do for a bunch of nobodies, a bunch of nothings, a bunch of rebellious people that just shook their fists at you, wanting their own way, wanting to do their own thing, to sit on their own throne. But you intervened, God. You intervened. And we just praise you this morning for this fact. We praise you for your son and his sacrifice that he made. So those of us, Lord, that are saved, we stand in an accepted, acceptable way before you. And also, God, we praise you for the people that don't have a relationship with you this morning. That, God, what you've done for us, that you're willing to do for them. And I just pray, God, you just help us all this morning, Lord. And we ask all these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. So this morning we're going to meet a man named Levi. He was a man, right, that knew he was a sinner. And he, and he also he knew that he needed to be saved. And those two things right there is very important when it comes uh, to salvation. Because without them, you can't get saved. And so three verses down in verse 17, Jesus is, he is sitting. He's actually, uh, after Levi gets saved, he's sitting, he's sitting with Levi at his house. They're having a feast. Levi invites the only people that he knew in life, and they were under, under tax collectors and scoundrels and, and, uh, and the Pharisees, the religious people. At that time, they couldn't believe that Jesus would be caught dead in that house, that he'd be uh, associating with sinners, with tax collectors. And Jesus says to them, he says, I didn't call to come the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So in other words, he's not saying that some people are, are so good that they don't need to get saved. Jesus says, I'm calling the ones that know they need to get saved. I'm calling the ones that know that they have a problem. He's come to call the ones that actually want to do something about it, just like our man Levi. And in Luke 19.10, Jesus says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost, so the bad news is, right, we all came to this world 
lost, going the wrong way, doing our own thing. But the good news this morning, right, the good news is that Jesus came into this world to seek and to save the ones who know that they're not right with God. The ones that know that they are not accepted, they don't stand before a holy God in a right way. And so we're in a Thanksgiving season, right? This is Thanksgiving, we're coming up on Thanksgiving week. If we want to be thankful for something, right, this is what we should be thankful for every day of the week, every day of the month, every day, right, for the year. Every year, right, that Jesus came in the world to seek and to save the ones who know they need salvation. So this morning, right, we're going to look at a conversion. We're going to look at redemption. We're going to look at salvation. Right? We're going to look at, at Levi's life before Christ. We're going to look at his life at the moment that he was called, the moment that he was saved, that he was converted. And we're going to look at his life um, after salvation. And you should be able to relate to this. This is going to describe you if you're saved this morning. So Levi, he's a man that Jesus saved, changed, used. And guess what? He is still using him today, and he's going to continue to use him for eternity because God says his word will never change. And so I ask you this morning, has this happened to you? Have you been saved? If you have, your life has radically changed. It has nothing to do with what you were doing in life other than, the, uh, you know, it doesn't matter if you've done drugs or, or whether, you know, you're on the underside of the fence and you always paid your bills and took care of your family, Right. What, what, what's, what's happened is, is when God does a heart transplant, a transplant in your life at salvation, he changes your will, your affections, and your desires. And because he changes that on the inside, it produces things on the outside, just like we're going to look at uh, with Levi. It happened to me in 2013. How do I know I got saved in a jail cell? Because I'm, I'm still living for the Lord today. I'm still living for him today. So let me give you a little history lesson on what's going on here. So during this time, the, the Jews are under Roman rule. In other words, the, the Romans owned them. The, they, they, the Jewish people had to submit to the Roman government. And what the Romans were doing, they were collecting taxes uh, through a system called tax farming. And what they would do is they would take like Webster County. And they'd say, okay, Webster County has this many people in it. It's this big of area. The Romans would say, here's the set amount of tax that we need from that area. And what they would do is, is they would sell that bid. They would, they would say, hey, if you're interested in collecting this tax for us, uh, you can bid on it. And the highest bidder, whoever bid the most, gets to collect the tax. So this is who our guy is, Levi. The bad thing is, is the reason why people would bid on collecting the tax is because whoever got the bid, whoever got to collect the tax, what they would do is they would collect what was owed, but then they would charge fees above it. They, would, they were able to keep anything and everything that was gathered above that fixed amount for the area. Now, you can imagine the, people, the kind of people that they would draw that would be interested into, in, into doing something like that. They would be like criminals. They'd be thugs, they'd be uh, you know, mobsters, I guess, in our day and age. In verse 14, it says, As Jesus passed by, he saw Levi sitting at the tax office. So when we first meet Levi, guess where he's at? He's sitting in the tax office and he's collecting taxes. This is, who we, this is our guy. And, uh, and so this means a few things. Levi was very wealthy, very wealthy, because uh, he was charging over and above what he was supposed to collect. 
Because he was doing that, he was a very corrupt man. He was a criminal, right? By his own people, by all rights, he was a criminal. He was stealing. And then on top of that, uh, he was hated because the, the Jewish people, they knew what he was doing. They knew what the, the, the set amount was. They knew that he was collecting more. And they knew that, that he was getting rich and they were getting poor. And so in Jesus' day, uh, in, Jesus, in, in the day that we're talking about, the Jewish people paid a lot of taxes. You think you got it bad now, but we don't have it so bad compared to them. There was a poll tax you paid for just being alive. There was a ground tax that you paid for everything that was grown out of the ground. You say, well, that's not too important, but it is back then because everything that they made, their economy, all of it came out of the ground, right? Wheat and, and grain and oil, uh, all these things uh, came from the ground. There was a fish tax, right? If you caught fish out of the sea, you paid a tax. There was an income tax like ours today, but the difference is, is there, there was no under an income credit. There was no refund checks coming in the mail, right? There wasn't none of that. There's road taxes like ours today, like toll roads, harbor taxes. If you docked your ship uh, you know, in their harbor, you paid a tax. And there were cart taxes. So if you had a two-wheel cart, you paid for each wheel. If you had a four-wheel cart, you paid for each wheel. So in other words, the Jewish people, they were taxed and taxed and taxed. They had heavy burdens uh, put on them by these tax collectors. Now, these tax collectors, what they could do is they could stop anybody on the road. And they could make the person unpack their cart. They could charge anything they wanted. Now, if the person, right... If the person couldn't pay that tax, what they would do is they'd say, okay, you can't pay the tax. What we're going to do is I'm going to loan you that money. And what they would do is they would loan them that money at a high rate of interest. It would be like you going to get a payday loan or, you know, Missouri title loan, like 400% interest. Now, if the person didn't take that loan, what the, what the tax collector would do is whatever was unloaded off that cart, they'd say, well, okay, we'll, just, we'll sell this now and I'll just take this. So picture this in your mind, right? We have this four-way stop over here. Yeah, right there. Okay, I had to get my bearings right. So we have this four-way stop, right? And right there at the four-way stop sign, I'm sitting in that tax booth. You pull up in your car. I get out, and I say, hey, there's a tax you got to pay here. I need you to unload everything out of your car. And you unload all of it out. And I say, well, in order for you to cross this stop sign, this, this place here, I'm going to charge you this X amount. And you say, well, I don't have any money. I didn't prepare for that. What are you talking about? I say, sorry. And I say, well, I don't have it. Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going I'm to I'm sell this for you today. I'm going to pay your tax for you. I'm going to charge you 400% interest on it. And if you don't pay it by this time, so-and-so, then it's going to be even more. And you say, I can't do that, and there's no way I'm doing that. And then, then the next thing I say, well, guess what? Then I'm just going to take your stuff. Now, if I did that to you, how would you feel about that? How would you feel about me? Yeah, amen, right? Right? I'd be shot, especially in Webster County, right? <laughs> Probably by our pastor. So, <laughs> so, so these tax collectors also, it's very important you need to understand is these tax collectors, Levi, he's Jewish. He's Jewish. So not only were they ripping off and stealing from their own people, they were the most hated people in that society because they were traitors. They were traitors. They worked for and they collected taxes for the very people that held them in bondage. The very people that ruled over them, that's who they're working for. So, so just, they're bad dude. Levi's a bad dude, and all of them were bad. 
Tax collectors couldn't serve as judges. Why? Could it, why? Because they were considered crooks. Nobody would let a, a tax collector serve as a judge because they could never trust him to do the right thing. They, were, uh, they couldn't be witnesses to worship in the synagogues, right? They, once they came up to the synagogue to worship God, they had to stay in the outer court area because they weren't allowed to go into the inner court because they were considered the most evil people of that day. And if you read the story, you know, when, uh, when Jesus uh, tells about the guy, you know, the Pharisee and the, that was praying and the uh, tax collector that wouldn't even lift up his eyes and he's saying, have mercy on me, that's the picture uh, of what's going on. So we, what we need to understand this morning is tax collectors were the worst kind of people of that day. They're hated, they're despised, they were outcasts, they were considered, considered the scum of the earth. And you say, why is this important? Why, why am I telling you all this, these facts about this? Because this is the guy that Jesus called to be his disciple. This is the guy. Right? Levi didn't go looking for Jesus. Jesus went by looking for him. It was Jesus that was passing by. It was Jesus that called Levi. This is the guy that Jesus says, I want you to be mine. This is the person that Jesus said, follow me. This is the person that Jesus went home later in verses 15 and 17. He went to his house. He ate with them. Other tax collectors were there, right? The Levi, right, after he got saved, the only thing he knew to do is the only people he knew was other tax collectors like himself. So he invites all the people that he knows in the world to over to a big feast so, so he can introduce them to Jesus so they can receive what he received from Jesus. So he can tell them, well, this is what Jesus done for me, and he's willing to do for you if you will follow him. And so this is the man, right? This is the, the man that, that Jesus sought out, saved, changed, used, and still uses today. I mean, I am encouraged. I always heard John when he's in prison, he's reading, uh, you know, reading the Bible, and he said, man, I realized after I was reading the Bible that all the people that God used, they were just like me, living in my sin, scoundrels outcasts, horrible people, but God saved them, changed them, and used them. That's what God does. This is our compassionate Savior going to seek and to save a person that brought nothing to the table, just like the rest of us. Nothing to the table. I want to save you because I'm good. I want to save you because I love you. I want to save you because I desire to bring you into a relationship with me so I can use you, so I can give you freedom. So I can make you a new man in Christ. Man, it's amazing, ladies and gentlemen, right? The salvation of Levi should be an encouragement to everyone in this room. If you're saved this morning, this should be an encouragement to you. If you're not saved this morning, no matter what your past is or what your background is, this should be an encouragement to you. This is who Jesus sought out. Listen, when Jesus said, Levi, follow me. Levi had job security. Listen, there, there would always be a job for a, for a, a tax collector, right? Because taxes always had to be collected. So he had job security. He had a great paying job. His job made him rich, right? We see in those verses 15 through 17, right? He had a big feast. He had a big house. He had everybody over there because why? He could afford it. He was rich. Levi, Levi had everything that money could buy. Everything that those dollars could spend and get, he had a piece of it. He'd experienced all of it. 
He had power. He had status. He had influence, right? He had people that if he had trouble collecting taxes, he could hire them. They would go get the tax. Right? He didn't have any problem in this world. Levi had everything in the world, everything that the, the world says it would make you happy, Levi had it. He had all of it. He had bought into the lie, just like so many people have bought into the lie, right? It says having all those things, all those created things that God created, if you have enough of those things at a certain amount of time that you're going to be happy and satisfied, fulfilled, you're not going to be empty anymore, you're going to, you're going to, have, your, you're going to have what you desire most. And we know from John 10, 10, Jesus says the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. How does he do that? How does Satan steal, kill, and destroy? Because Satan has sold us a bill of goods. He sold Levi a bill of goods. He says, if you can get these things, you can attain money and rich and power and influence. If you can have those things, you're going to be satisfied. But it's a dream that never delivers, ladies and gentlemen. It never delivers. I pray that, that you get to the end of yourself to realize that whatever those things are that you're chasing in the world, if you're an unbeliever in here this morning, you've never repented, you've never believed on Jesus Christ, you're not saved. Because you think that if you have this or you have that or you have a little bit more, it's going to bring you that fulfillment that only God can bring you. Right? God created everything. And God allowed it to where there's only one thing that can fill what you desire the most, and that is Him. It's Him. You can't get it anywhere else. So Levi, right, he had everything. Everything that I chased for 42 years, Levi had it all. But he wasn't happy. He wasn't satisfied. He wasn't content. He was a miserable man lost in his sin just like everyone else born in this world. In fact, Levi was more miserable than most people because Levi had it all. And he realized that none of those things satisfied his soul. They didn't satisfy the deepest longings he had in his heart. Listen, Levi was thirsty, he was empty, he was hopeless, and he was alone. And he knew what he desired and what he needed most was forgiveness. That's what he needed. And he wasn't getting it from all those things that he, that he attained. He knew he needed forgiveness from God. And he knew that until he received the forgiveness from God, that he would never receive what he desired the most. Is the result of that forgiveness is peace. It's peace. What, what kind of dollar amount can you put on peace, ladies and gentlemen? You know, when I was in over there in that jail cell and I got saved. And, uh, you know, I'm, I've been to prison so many times. I'm an 85 percenter. I'm guilty. Two guys wrote statements on me. I'm getting ready to take a 12-year plea bargain. I'm going to be gone at least 10 years of it. But when I got saved in that jail cell, I received the forgiveness from God through Jesus Christ. And the byproduct of that was peace. I went down to court that day to take a 12-year plea bargain. And I, and I was content and happy to do it. Because at the end of the day, all that mattered was is I had him through his son, Jesus Christ. That's it. God in his grace, right, let me out, gave me a chance, right? And God had a different plan. But even if I was still in prison today, in fact, January will be 10 years. So, so that means that if I would have took that 12-year plea bargain, if I would have been good while I was in prison, I'd be getting out, you know, next year sometime. Because it's been 10 years. 10 years. 
And so it, all that matters, all that matters to me, all that matters to you should be is forgiveness from God and the peace that comes from that forgiveness. So Levi, right, he would have known about Jesus. He would have heard about all the miracles. He would have heard about all the stories. He would have heard about everything. If you read Mark up to that or leave the, uh, read the other Gospels, right, up to this point, because this story is mentioned three times in, in three of the Gospels, he would have heard about him healing all, uh, people with all kinds of different diseases, casting out demons, forgiving a paralyzed guy uh, of his sins, healing a, a leper. He would have known about all these things, all, all these things up to this point. So he knew who Jesus was. In verse 14, it says, as Jesus passed by, he saw, he saw Levi sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, follow me. So he arose and followed him. Now picture this. Levi, right, he, he's never had a, from what we know from Scripture, he's never had a one-on-one with Jesus up to this point. And Jesus looks at him, gives him a command. Levi gets up without any hesitation, right, and he does exactly what Jesus told him to do. So why? I asked myself, why would that be? Sure, he's heard about these stories. Sure, he, you know, Jesus was the most well-known man on the planet and still is. I get all that. But why would he just get up without hesitation? Why does Scripture not even record any questions or, or hey, let me get this or let me go back and do this? Why, 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 does it, why is this? Why, why? Because Levi was already searching for something that his money and his power, his status and his relationships and his religion couldn't give him. Jesus already knew that Levi was searching. Jesus already knew that, that Levi had those deep thoughts and knew he wasn't right with God, knew that he needed to rectify a problem and he didn't know how to get it done because he tried religion and money and influence and power, but none of that worked. He was ready. What Levi wanted most is what I wanted most in that jail cell. It's what you wanted most when you got saved. You want meaning, purpose, fulfillment, satisfaction. Right? You wanted forgiveness. I wanted forgiveness. Levi wanted to be made right with God. And Levi knew in that moment when he got up and followed Jesus, the only way that was going to happen is if he got up and obeyed. He knew that the only way to do that, the only way to be accepted by God was through his son Jesus Christ. And so that's why I got up without any hesitation. Now, I'm thinking to myself, I wonder what the people were thinking. Because, you know, we know in verses 15 and 17, the religious leaders are looking at Jesus eat with all the tax collectors and sinners because Levi brings them all over so he can share Jesus with them. And so we already know their attitude. But I wonder what they were thinking when they heard Jesus call a man like Matthew or a man like Levi. The people that, that, that Levi was just got done collecting taxes from. The people that he just stole from. Right? He's wearing really nice clothes, dressed nice, looks the part. But the people that, uh, that he's uh, getting more tax from, the people that he's stealing from, the people he's robbing from, right? They're looking at him. They know he's taking more of their money than he should. And then they hear Jesus tell, tell him, get up and follow me. I wonder what they're thinking. Why in the world would Jesus call a man like Levi? Why would he call a tax collector to follow him? How many people thought to themselves, I can't believe Jesus would call somebody like that. Why would he do that? How many people thought to themselves, it's not going to last. It's not going to last. Once a tax collector, always a tax collector. Once a thief, always a thief. 
Once a traitor, always a traitor. The people listening, right, they didn't know. They didn't know. They, they, were, they weren't looking into the future. They were looking at, Le, at Levi's background and his past. They wouldn't know that, that Jesus would change Levi's name to Matthew, which means gift of God. He went from being a, a man lost in his sin, a scoundrel lost forever, going to a place called hell for eternity, to now Jesus gives him a new name, Matthew, and he says, now your name is gift of God because I've saved you, I've changed you, and I'm going to use you. Because you got up, you did what I told you to do. You followed me. Now, here's the important part. When Jesus saw him and called him, if he would have never done what Jesus told him to do, Levi would have never been saved. Levi would have been lost in his sin. We'd be reading about Levi today, and he would be an example of a person what not to do when Jesus calls you. But now that's not what happened. He got up, he was obedient, he got saved. Jesus says, you're no longer Levi, the tax collector. Now your name is Matthew. You are a gift of God. The people listening didn't know that Levi would become the writer of the gospel of Matthew. The people listening didn't know that Jesus would change this man's life in a supernatural way. I love the fact that Jesus sought out the man that no one else wanted. What you have to realize, ladies and gentlemen, is this, is if Levi would have been on fire in that tax booth and there would have been five people there with a bucket of water, none of them would have threw it on the fire. They would have let him burn. He is the man that everybody hated. In other words, right, he is the man that was lost. Now, when Jesus called Levi, he wasn't looking at his past. When he called Levi, he was looking at the man that he would become. This is huge. Jesus didn't care about his job. Jesus didn't care about his life up to that point. Jesus didn't care about his background. Jesus didn't care about his past. And here's the beautiful thing, ladies and gentlemen. He didn't care about mine either when I was in that jail cell. And he doesn't care about yours either. You're not too far gone. You're breathing his air. You're hearing his message today. It's not too late. It's not too late. If you're not saved, Jesus brought you here this morning because he is seeking to save that which is lost. He wants to save you so he can change your name to child of God. He wants to save you so your sins will be forgiven. So he can change you in a supernatural way. So he can use you just like he did Matthew. Just like he's using me. Just like he's using my wife. Just like he's using every other person that is saved on this planet. God never touches anybody. He never converts anybody. He never saves anybody and leaves them where they're at. But what God does is when he does save them, no matter where they go and what they do, he uses them where they're at. It's huge. <coughs> Listen, did I, do, you think Levi, do you think Levi needed convincing that he was a sinner? Do you think anybody had to tell Levi, Levi, you need to get saved because you're a sinner? Levi knew he was a sinner. You didn't have to tell that guy that he was a low-down, dirty, rotten sinner. You didn't have to tell me in that jail cell in 2013. God didn't have to tell you either, right, whenever you got saved. You already know, right? Your thoughts, your desires, the things, right, we're consumed with evil. Levi knew he needed to get saved. He knew he wasn't right with God. And here's the most important thing. 
Levi was ready. He was ready. If we don't have those four components, salvation can't take place. A person can know they're a sinner. A person can know they're not right with God. A person know uh, that they need to get saved. But if they are not ready, salvation can't happen. And so this is why we do freeway. This is why we have men's housing. This is why we have women's housing. This is why we do everything that we do. Because we look at the, these ministries like opportunities. The whole ministry is opportunities. Now, I would love to have all of our women and have all of our men, and none of them would leave. None of them would go anywhere. But it, that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Some are going to leave. Some are going to uh, go back to doing things their own way. Some of them are not ready. So our job is, is right, is to pour into them as much as we can, pour into God's Word, see how it's demonstrated in daily life, right? Walk alongside them, encourage them, so when they do leave, right, they'll always remember that. They can always, they'll always know what it looks like to be a Christ follower. And they also always know that the door's always open when they're ready. Very important, right? Very important. Christ cannot help a person who is unwilling to confess their need for him. It's impossible. Levi knew that he needed Christ, and that's why he got up without any hesitation. When I heard the gospel in 2013, I knew I needed Christ. I got up on that bunk the best way I knew how, without any hesitation. And the same thing has already happened for you, if you're, if you're a Christian. So, why did he choose Levi? When people saw the old Levi die and become a new man in Christ, they would say, there's no way a man like Levi could change. They would say, only God could do something like that. Only God could change a man like Levi. And guess what? By God saving him, forgiving him, and changing him, and using him, he gets all the glory. And he should get all the glory because he's the one that did it all. Every bit of it. Amen? So if you're saved, why did God choose you? I mean, I think to myself all the time. I'm like, man, why did God choose me? Here it is. 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 29. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you are wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were noble at birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human, may, so, so no human being might boast in the presence of God. Did you hear it? Did you hear it? God calls the unwise. Me! Right? God calls the people that have no power of their own. God calls the people that, that don't come from some famous uh, heritage. Right? God chose what is foolish, weak, and low, and despised. God chose Levi. God chose me. God chose you if you're saved this morning. And you say, well, God hasn't chosen me. Well, he's calling you today because he wants to choose you, but you have a choice to make. He ain't going to force himself on you. It's not going to happen. God doesn't want robots. God wants people that will surrender their lives to him willingly and serve him for eternity. That's what he wants. 
Nobody's going to stand before God and say they didn't call him. What you need to understand this morning is this. Is God never stiff arms a sinner. Never. God never resists the sinner either. What God does is this. God calls, draws, invites, commands, chases. Right? As we see a picture of Levi sitting in that tax booth and Jesus was passing by. Right? Every single time you've heard the gospel message, Jesus is passing right by you. He's passing by you this morning. Because he loves you. He loves you so much that he died on a cross. And if you'll put your faith and trust in him, the payment that he made will be on your behalf and you will be saved. You'll be saved. Right? Proverbs 29.1 says, Many times reproved. It means the sinner is many times called. Nobody will go to a place called hell and say, God never called me, drew me, invited me, commanded me, tried to get a hold of my attention. Nobody. Nobody. 2 Peter 3.9 says, God's long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, that all should come to repentance. I mean, if you're saved in here, you know how patient and long-suffering God was towards you. I mean, I know how much he was towards me. And if you're not saved, you can say this morning, say, yep, God's been trying to get my attention. He's drew me, invited me, commanded me. I've stiff-armed him, but he hasn't stiff-armed me. He continues to call me. He's been long-suffering. He's been patient towards me. He wants to save me. I know he does because all I have to do is look at my life. Jesus said in, in verse 14, Jesus said to Levi, follow me. So he arose and followed him. Now, Levi, what he didn't do, he got up without no hesitation. Levi didn't say, let me think about it. Levi didn't say, I know I need you, Jesus, but I'm just going to wait a little bit longer. Levi didn't say, I'm going to let you know later. Let me think on this. Come back tomorrow. Come back, come back another time, and I'll tell you. I'll give you my answer. He didn't do any of that. He immediately, right, he immediately, he's called. He gets up. He answers the call. He follows Jesus. Now, do you know what that is a picture of, church? Starts with an R. It's a picture of real, genuine repentance. Let me, let me explain. This is why. Verse 14 says, Levi arose and followed him. Did Levi continue being a thief from that point on? No. Did he continue robbing people from that moment on? No. Did he continue collecting taxes from the Roman government? No, he did not. In other words, right, Levi is this way, and God, uh, Jesus calls him, he turns around, and he goes the other way. And so this is important. He did an about face. He repented. He turned away from his sin, and he turned to Christ and started following him. Levi didn't say a prayer and continue living the way that he was before Jesus. Levi did not get baptized and continue robbing people. How do we know Levi was saved? Because he changed the direction of his life. Quit lying to yourself. Don't ever tell anybody that's living in sin, that's never changed their life, that they are good with God. The Bible says they are not good with God. How do we know he got saved? His life changed. How do I know I got saved in 2013? My life changed. In other words, right? I switched teams. 
The Bible says I was a son of disobedience and I became a son of righteousness. Different, right? I surrendered to Jesus. I gave the only thing that I have, my life, because he paid for my life with his. And you can relate to that if you're saved, right? You change the direction you're going. You may not have done a drug, drank a sip of alcohol, committed a crime, uh, or cheated on your taxes. But you change the direction in your life because you quit living for yourself and you start living for him one day. And you still are doing it today. That's how you know. Does God want us to know we're saved? Yes! And the evidence is by what we are living for from day to day and that we continue doing it. Amen. That's the evidence. What does he say in 2 Corinthians 5.17? He says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Now, does he say some people? He says all people. He, he, he asks the question, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation and all things have passed away. Levi was a thief, a robber, collecting taxes from the Roman government. And then he started living for Jesus, living righteously, and, and not living for himself anymore. He was a new man in Christ. The old way of his living went away. He started living a totally, completely life and lived that way until he died. It's important. That verse, 2 Corinthians 5.17, God is not a liar. God says if you are saved, you're a new man. If you're not saved, you're, you're not a new man. The old things that you always did is the old things that you're doing now. There it is. If you said a prayer, you got baptized, and your life haven't changed, the Bible says you are not saved. Luke 13, 3, Luke, uh, Luke 13, 5, Jesus says the same thing twice. I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. He says, right, repentance is more than being sorry. Paul says in Corinthians, he says there's a, there's a worldly sorrow that does not lead to repentance. It doesn't lead to salvation because there's no repentance in it. But there is a godly sorrow that does produce repentance. And because it produces repentance, it produces a changed life. Oil, water. Two different things, right? Huge contrasts. Listen, I truly believe 100% that Levi was sorry for robbing his very own people. I believe that every time that he told a person to mount at that tax booth, he probably couldn't look him in the eye because he knew how rotten a person he was. But listen to me. After Jesus told him to follow him, if Levi had continued being a tax collector... Levi would have never actually repented. It's the only fact that he did that he changed his life and he quit doing the things that he was doing that we know these truly saved. I was a meth addict for 27 years of my life. Every time I made a batch of that meth and got on it, I knew that I was going to have to rob people, hurt people, steal from people. But what I'm telling you is this today, is if I was still making methamphetamines, and, and, which means I was still robbing, hurting people, 
and thieving from people. That means that what I said happened in 2013 never happened. My life shows that I was never converted. I was never redeemed. I was never a true Christ follower. An alcoholic husband may be sorry that every time he drinks that he beats his wife. But if he continues to drink and beat his wife, he is not repentant. You with me? All right. All right. Repentance is more than being sorry, ladies and gentlemen. Real repentance is a change of direction, and that change of direction leads to a changed life, and the changed life is a reflection that they are a true Christ follower. Luke 5.28 says, Levi left all, rose up, followed him. In other words, Levi gets up and he turns his back on everything that he knew in life up to that point. Everything. Everything he was comfortable with, comfortable with everything he was familiar with, Everything. He turned his back on all of it. Levi knew when he got up and deserted his post for collecting taxes with the Roman government, he knew once he did that, that job was done. If somebody took his place, he would never be able to go to that. He would never be able to be hired by the Roman government again because they wouldn't believe that he, would, that he might quit again down the road. He knew when he got up, he knew when he got up, he would never be able to go back. I knew when I got up, I'd never be able to go back. He knew the cost. He willingly paid it because of what he got in return. And what did he get in return, ladies and gentlemen? Salvation, forgiveness, peace. All the other disciples, to me, Levi made the greatest sacrifice than the rest of them. And I say that when, I, when, when I'm talking about material possessions. He had everything that money could buy. When he got up from that tax booth and walked away, there's no turning back. The other disciples could go back to their fishing boats, and they did. We know from Scripture that they did a couple times. But Levi couldn't do that. Levi was 100% committed to following Christ. Listen to me this morning. Like When a person gets saved, they can't leave their old life fast enough. Their old habits, their standards, their practices, they don't appeal to them any longer, right? When I got saved, I don't want to be a drug addict anymore. When I got saved, I didn't want to practice evil anymore. When I got saved, I didn't want to be in immoral relationships anymore. When I got saved, I didn't want to be uh, looking at pornography anymore. When I got saved, I didn't want to be associating and being living around other people that, that lived in evil and that practice evil. I have nothing in common with them anymore. I don't want it, right? It's different. When I got saved, I didn't want to live Mike Estelle's way anymore. What I did was, is I picked up my Bible, and I started living his way. That's the difference. That's the difference. Have you done this? Do these things, are you concerned about these things? Do you think Levi walked away from his job and his money feeling sorry for himself? Do you think he did, you know, that later on down the road that he was depressed no, no, he had joy for the very first time in his life. He had for forgiveness from God. He didn't care what happened to him in the world. He knew that one day he was going to go home to be with the Father forever because of what everything that Jesus did on his behalf. That's all that mattered to him. 
he walked away from those things, happy, happy, happy. Right? What is keeping you this morning from getting saved? What is it? Is it an addiction? The Bible calls it idolatry. Is it a sinful relationship? The Bible calls it immorality. Is it wanting to be your own boss? The Bible calls it pride. If you choose to not get saved, it may be those things I just listed, but what it really is, is because you don't want to give up your sin. You don't want to give up your sin. What is Jesus commanding us to give up and walk away from, ladies and gentlemen? Everything. Everything. That's what he demands. I've given you everything. I've given you my life. I paid your debt. I took it all upon myself. I expect no less from you. It means that what I'm doing today, that I would do it for free. It means that whether my, I'm, I'm married and living with my wife is godly or I'm a single man, it means that no, ma- no matter who's around me or where I'm at, that I'm continuing to live out God's word in my life. There's always two people in the room. This is what it looks like. This is the cost of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Matthew 16, 24 through 26. Jesus says, if any man desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, and but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? As our pastor, that's his favorite verse. What good is it? So let's look at this in Levi's life. Levi desired to come after Jesus. How do we know? How do we know Levi desired to come after Jesus? He got up and he started following him. Levi denied himself. How do we know that? He quit living for himself and he started living for God. Levi had all the profit the world could give him, but he realized none of those things was worth his eternal soul. He counted the cost. And he said, all this stuff I've got, but my soul for eternity is here. That ain't worth nothing. It ain't worth my soul. He counted the cost. What did Jesus command me to give up and walk away from in that jail cell in 2013? Addiction. Sinful relationships, being my own boss, being a criminal. But it all boils down to one thing again, sin. God says, turn away from your sin, turn to me in repentance, and you shall be saved. What did I really give up, ladies and gentlemen? When I was in that jail cell and those two guys came in here and shared the gospel with me, God convicted my heart, gave me the faith, gave me the, granted me repentance, and I got saved in that jail cell. What did my Gestell really give up? Slavery. Bondage. I was in a prison cell. The door was wide open, but I'm the one that locked myself in it, took the key, locked it, and then threw it away. What did I really give up? Guilt. Shame. Destruction. What did you give up when you got saved? Same things. Slavery, bondage, guilt, shame, and destruction. 
What did we get in return, ladies and gentlemen? This is what we got in return. What we got in return is everything that actually matters. Levi got it. If you're saved, you get it. So what we exchanged was slavery, bondage, shame, and guilt. We traded that for a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. We got forgiveness. We got peace. We got purpose. We got meaning. We got fulfillment. We got satisfaction. And I got a joy, joy, joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. It's deep down. No matter what's going on in this world, whatever God's called me to do, how difficult it is, where I go, whatever I do, whatever happens to me, is you can't take that away. You can't take it away. Because you can't reach in there and get it. God gave it to me. And that joy is produced because I know what I have with Him. And no matter what I'm going through, it's small, it's a season, it's going to end. Because one day I'm going to be home with Him. And that song that Ace and, the, and they sang about what, you know, going to heaven, being with Him forever, right? That's what it's about. So, you know, I told you John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, the, he said, also says in John 10.10, 10, he says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And the word abundant means he wants to give us more than we can even anticipate. He says, I want to take your cup and I want to, f- I want to fill it where it's overflowing. It's just coming out. It's coming out. It's coming out like a fountain. He says, you're not going to be able to measure it. It's a quantity so great you can't even expect it. You can't dream about it. You can't anticipate it. You can't imagine it. This is what I have in store for the believer. And it's true. It's true. Jesus came, in, came to give, not to get. He came so that people may have life with him that is meaningful, purposeful, joyful, and eternal. And we receive this abundant life the moment that we put our faith and trust in him. We're not waiting for it. We're not growing into it. He says, if you'll repent and believe on me, you'll have it that second. You'll be in a jail cell getting ready to go to prison. It doesn't matter. You can have, your wife could be leaving you, your husband could be leaving you, your children could be treating you bad. Whatever it is, it doesn't replace the fact, this is what I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you everything you need to go through those things. From the moment Levi got up and followed Jesus, in other words, the moment he got saved, think about this. It was the first time in his life that he was able to walk around and look people in the eyes. Right? Not looking down at his feet. I remember that. I remember, I mean, if I told you the sun was out, you better go look outside because it's probably midnight. He could look people in the eyes for the very first time. Why? Because he wasn't a thief anymore. He wasn't a tax collector anymore. And he wasn't a robber anymore. Levi could look people in the eye because the transformation had happened in his life. He knew he was saved and forgiven and accepted by God. And and he knew he wasn't going back to that. And he knew that from that point on, no longer did God recognize him as a thief and a robber and a sinner. He was saved by grace through faith. And when he looked at him, he seen Jesus Christ's righteousness. Did he save then? He's saved forever. Man. No more guilt. No more shame. No more looking at his feet. 
Because he wasn't the man that stole from people anymore. He had clean hands for the first time in his life. He had a clean heart for the first time in his life. And so I ask you this morning, has there been a day where you you could describe that about yourself? Has there been a day when Jesus forgave you of all your sins? Has there been this day that you're able to start looking people in the eyes because you're living out your faith from day to day? You know it's happened. You know you've been saved. You know you've been forgiven because you changed the direction in your life. Has there been that day? If there is, walk out of here today singing, praise be to God. If not, you can be. You can be. Levi left one employer, became a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he started working for the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. Doesn't get any better than that. Levi becomes Matthew, which means gift of God. Matthew, right, we hold it in our hands. You're holding it in your lap this morning. He gives an eyewitness account of Jesus' life, his death, and his resurrection. We've seen it, right? Everybody has seen the same account for 2,000 years. Everybody's going to read it for the rest of eternity because we have it. That's how, that's how Jesus used him. It's amazing. He still uses Matthew today. We are talking about him today, 2,000 years ago, what a saved person looks like. Before Christ, at conversion, and after Christ. Yes. Levi came in this world a thief, a robber, and a traitor, but God saved him, forgave him, changed him, used him, made him a saint, made him a child of God forever and ever. And when we take our last breath on this earth, we stand before the Lord, we're going to be able to talk to him. We're going to be able to ask him about this, how it went down, how he felt, what was the rest of his life, the things we don't know about. We're going to be able to talk to him about all of it. But the most important thing we're going to be talking about, Matthew, about is Matthew, the same way you got saved is the same way I got saved. And maybe I didn't write, write the gospel, but God did a mighty work in my heart, and he let me do some things for him that I could have never imagined. Listen to me. God wants to save you. He's brought you here again. He wants to save you, forgive you, change you, use you. But the choice is yours. God used a thief, a robber, and a traitor. God will use you too. And if you're saved this morning, you can relate to this. Ace, you want guys want to come on up? I went long. Yeah. So, you know, in this passage, you know, uh, a title to this, I've heard it over and over, that, that Jesus is a friend of sinners. Because in, that, in uh, verses 15 and 17... When the religious people are looking on and they're saying, I can't believe Jesus would be sitting down having a meal with all those tax collectors, right? Because Jesus was a friend of sinners. Jesus was involved in sinners' lives because he wanted to save them. So he told those sinners, like he is telling us today, that he came into the world to seek and to save that which is lost. That he desires to have us. He desires to adopt us. That he desires... To, to, to adopt us and make his children and bring him into his kingdom. This is what he wants. He's such a friend of sinners, right? That he came into the world, he went to the cross, he died on the cross for your sins so you could be saved, so you could be changed forever, so you could be used just like Levi that became Matthew. But I want to leave you with this this morning. This warning. Jesus is a friend of sinners, but one day he's going to become judge 
jury, and executioner. Because God has given it to him, and the account of that is in Matthew 7, 21 and 23. All the unbelievers are standing before Jesus Christ. He's on the throne, and he says, Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. I never knew you. And that's the last things that those unbelievers hear before they are ushered off to a place called hell. And so, yes, he's calling you, drawing you, inviting you. He's long-suffering. He's patient towards you. He's wanting to save you. He's laid his life down for you. He bled for you. He died for you. All these things, right? But there's a day, right, if you reject him, you continue to reject him, you won't accept the gift he's given you, that one day that that same Jesus is going to be judged during executioner. Let me pray for us. Father God, I just thank you, Lord, for I'll be able to look at Levi's life, and I just see my life all over it, Lord. And, uh, and so, Lord, I just know every unbeliever is an underdog, you know, Lord, because we're all lost in our sin. But, Lord, I'm so grateful that we are able to look at his life. We're able to look at so many other people's life. Like uh, Abram, you changed his name to Abraham. He quit being a, he, he, no longer was he a moon worshiper once you saved him. I look at uh, Jacob, Lord. Right? Trickster. That's what his name meant. But God, you changed his name to Israel because you saved him. You changed him. You used him. Uh, I think of Paul. Or, you know, Saul. He was Saul, the persecutor of the church. He was a murderer. And then, Lord, one day you saved him. You changed his name to Paul. And he became the, one of the greatest missionaries in the Bible. This is what, Lord, we know that you do. They, right, they were in Christ. They were a new creation. For all of us in here this morning that, that we know that we are a new creation too, God, we just praise you. We praise you, Lord. I'm just so thankful, God, that you allow us to, to do things for you. You've done what we could never have done on our own. That you are the God of provision, starting with salvation. So, Lord, I pray for the person in this, uh, that's listening today, God, that's resisting you. They've been resisting you. They've been resisting you. God, please. I just pray, God, you help them remove their pride. They would come down, admit their need, Lord. They would know that they need to get saved. They would understand they're not right with you and that they would be ready today. You say today's the day of salvation because tomorrow may never come. So, Lord, we ask you to have your way today, and we ask all these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. So these altars are open. Uh, you know, if you... Uh, if you need to do business with God, come down. If you want, to, if you want me to pray with you or uh, whatever, just come and grab me. Other than that, I'll just leave you alone. God save
you lead us out 